Well, welcome to everyone listening to Talking Church. We're here, episode 100 and something, and I'm excited. It's a four-person episode, so sometimes it gets a little bit rowdy, but the topic of today, as they probably saw from clicking on this, is talking about raising up young worship teams, next-generation teams, but also teams that are, are good, too, because you can get young people up on the platform, and they might not be any good, or maybe they're super... They're not humble, and you're just trying to figure all that out. And so invited the three of you here today to, because you really do a great job at this. You work with our fine arts ministry. You are developing people. Ben and Bella, you work at our broadcast campus, Apple Valley. And then Emily, you are at a high school. Mm -hmm. And so I think I thought it would be good to have kind of different blends of broadcast, portable, high school, everything like that. Awesome. Um, so maybe just quick introduce yourself, your official role on the team, and then I have a lot of questions that we can talk about that I'm sure people are curious about. And that's so Bella, you can start. Yeah. Well, my name is Bella Stebbins, and I work at the Apple Valley campus, like you said, with Ben, and I'm the associate worship leader. And what do you typically oversee in worship? Like, are you you're doing Wednesdays? Yes. Yeah, I typically kind of um, head Wednesdays, and then I'll also help out Saturdays and Sundays as well. So mm. weekends and but youth, I get to own, which is which is really fun. Cool. She's actually in a new season of owning a little bit more for the weekends because now I'm the lead worship pastor as well. Mm -hmm. So Bella has taken on a lot of extra responsibility on weekends. She's amazing. So yeah, my name is Ben. I'm the Apple Valley worship pastor and the lead worship pastor as well. And my name is Emily Havens. I'm the worship leader of our Maple Grove campus. Yeah, and that's one of our newer campuses. Yes. And as mentioned in high school, before we get into more specific questions, my goal of this episode is to be very practical in nature. So for those mm -hmm. listening that are maybe they're at a smaller church and they may say, I have a lot of roles and so I need help in this area because I'm worship leader, but I'm maybe associate pastor as well as all the other things that are needed or maybe they're at larger churches like us that have multiple staff members that are involved. But these principles really are aligned throughout everything. But when you think of, like, when you have a positive view of your team, what are the attributes that you're seeing among different volunteers, different leaders on your team to where you say, this is a a, a stress-free week or a stress-free month? Or like, if you if you would say, this is where my team is at its best, what, what would you describe that as? And then I think we can get into the practice on how that actually happens. But whoever, if you feel like you have an answer, jump in, but... I definitely do. Uh, some of the things that I think are good uh, litmus tests of a healthy team are they enjoy being with each other. They bring this attitude of unity with each other. Something that I'm really encouraged by right now is our Apple Valley team. When there's a new person on the team, I watch the team find each other in the lobby, even if they're not scheduled to go introduce themselves to the new team member, which I love. They feel like a family. They feel... Um, excited to be a part of something together. Another thing is preparation. People mm -hmm. come prepared for rehearsal. That's not always the case. And mm -hmm. I actually said to one of my pretty regular uh, team members the other day, he said, I haven't even looked at the set until this morning. And I said, you should probably never say that again. You should <laughs> always have looked at the set before you come. So those are the two biggest things for me, that they came prepared, ready to give their best, but also they came with like an excitement to get to do it in unity together. Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. And I'd love to speak in that into that too, because as a mobile campus, we set up and tear down every single Sunday. We're there at 6 a.m. and we don't even start rehearsal until 7 or 7.15 a.m. And so I know that the health of the team is good when everyone is setting up joyfully. If we're laughing, if we are enjoying one another's company, I also know that's a great sign that we're in unity, we love each other, and we are excited to be here. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it's true. It's a big deal. A lot of people, I'm sure, can resonate because most churches are portable, or, or especially when they're getting started, or maybe they have a building that doesn't have quite the, the gear needs, and so you have to make a lot of things set up. Mm-hmm. Do you have the entire band show up at 6 as well to help set up, or is it? Or do vocalists come later, or what? You know, I started off having vocalists come later, but I see the value in everyone coming at 6 a.m. to set up together because you get to look at the end result. It's like after service one and you're like, oh my goodness, we are a part of practically building God's church Mm -hmm. in a physical way and a spiritual way. And so I wanted everyone on the team to be a part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I would echo everything that you both have said. I think one thing um, I'll add to that is Um, sometimes not everyone's going to have the best energy, which is again, something you can't control. But what I always remember, what I can control is my attitude. And so sometimes I like to make sure that I'm going to be in the best headspace, having the best spirit. And sometimes that's really changed the team, you know, a whole 180 where, especially working with youth students and teenagers, like sometimes they're always kind of in a mood. And so when they see me in a positive mood or, um, trying to bring up the energy, um, it kind of helps lead the way for others to come along with me. So that's usually something that I try to do. Totally. On, on the note of people getting them on the team and, and, kind of focusing on young, developing young leaders, but I'm sure those listening are going to say, these are applicable to everyone, whether they're, you know, a 16-year-old kid who's just learning guitar lessons to somebody who says they've been playing guitar for a long time. But getting people on the team, onboarding, there's some challenges to that. There's one, there's people with gifts, but they don't use them. You don't even know that they exist. So how do we recruit people? How do we make it available? In a church like ours to where it seems... I think from the outside looking in, we just have musicians everywhere, and every campus is just has a plethora. It's, there's I wish that was true. Right? I wish that was true. But I think that can be an assumption that right. even people in the congregation feel like, oh, you don't need my help. Yeah. So how have how have you, from the young person in youth at a portable campus, how have we recruited teams and gotten people involved? And then what's that onboarding process look like uh, from there? I will just start by saying we are in an interesting season at River Valley because we have the most campuses and the most services that we've ever had as a church, which is exciting, but it's a challenge to navigate as a department of worship leaders. Um, How do we staff bands at a record number of services and campuses? Yeah, in the Twin Cities, we have 12 12 campuses, Yep, and so... That's a lot of services. Yeah, it's a lot of services and a lot of bands. And then we also have Wednesday Night Youth as well, which we want bands at those events as well at almost every campus. So we're navigating that together. We actually have a lot of interesting ways that we are um, recruiting people. I'm just going to talk about recruitment, and then I want to hear you guys speak on onboarding, especially young people, because you're doing that a lot. Um, We have started doing, like, pop-up booths in the lobby of Join the Worship Team. We've started sending... um, worship recruiting uh, paragraphs in the weekly campus emails. We send out a weekly email from our campuses to the people on our database. Um, we've also started making announcements on stage, which we have not done that in years. I think I've worked at River Valley for over eight years, and I have never once made a weekend announcement about auditions. I heard it for the first time last week. I was at uh, Fairbow, and I heard that, and I thought, 
that's the first time I've ever heard that, which right. isn't bad, but it's no. just no, it's, we it's, have we're more campuses. We're in a new season. Yeah. We're in a new season. Yeah. And it's, it's a little scary because you could get some people that maybe don't have the skill. Uh, something that Bell and I have been doing is when we have somebody reach out, we always have singers. It's always singers. It's yeah. like, also, we need some <laughs> instrumentalists. But <laughs> right. please come. I have felt this conviction from the Lord of if a person doesn't have the exact skill yet, but maybe they could get there. We've started giving them voice lessons once a month and re resourcing them with like apps or programs that help them learn how to sing harmony. So that instead of just saying no, it feels like we also invest in them and minister to them as worship ministers. Mm -hmm. And we've been surprised. A couple of our people have really improved in the months. And then when they come to join the team, they're actually really bringing a ton of value. And I think some, so I'll be done in a second, but a quick, a couple pitfalls are you put people on the team because you don't want to say no, but then over time they realize and they become frustrated because they're not bringing as much value. They start to see for themselves, I don't have the skill. And it be, it's a it's a bad place to put a person mm -hmm. for them to feel that frustration. So we've seen a lot of success with that, onboarding people, resourcing them, and working with them until they're ready to join the team. We have had a couple of people who weren't going to get there, and somehow, by the power of God and the Holy Spirit inside of them, they realized, I don't really have what it takes, and that problem solved itself, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Okay, mm -hmm. I'll be done for now. You guys can show <laughs> no, me. all good things. No, it, um, that's so true. Like it really is hard because especially being a non-confrontational person, it's hard to sometimes tell somebody no, but I think it's a really healthy and loving thing when we get to do that because again, it like is another way of saying, I want you to find where you are going to use your gifts at best. And maybe worship is just not that place. You know, we don't want you to be stuck in a place that is not going to um, have you flourish and grow. Mm -hmm. And so um, for younger students in particular, I think one of the biggest things that I love to do is just build relationship. Um, sometimes I would have never known that a student or um, a young person would be interested in worship or be even a singer or an instrumentalist um, until I've gotten to know them a little bit. And then they kind of open up to me and they're like, hey, I actually have been trying to learn guitar or whatever. I like to sing a little. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's such a good place like to come and learn, like come try to join in the worship team. And so I think um, for youth at Apple Valley specifically, I do, you know, I do try to give a little um, – grace to maybe if some students are not as like natural or still learning because you know I want them to understand like this isn't um a talent show like this doesn't need to be American Idol like you can be you know struggle a little bit and try to grow and learn as you're playing at youth services and so I think um the pastors are also really gracious and good at um you know, still having a level of excellence and wanting to meet a standard, but also allowing kids to to make mistakes and to grow and learn. And so I just love to um, get to know you students and um, also just try to call out things in them. I mean, listening to the Holy Spirit is no small thing. Sometimes I'll even just mention it because I feel a prompting and it will just open up a door, you know, whether it's on the weekend or on a Wednesday you know, just being out in the lobby, being among people is um, such a good thing to to do as a worship leader because it also allows people to see that, oh, they're available for me to go up and that's talk right. to them. Yeah. So, yeah. That's right. yeah, I mean, I think not being in the green room the whole time is a great way to recruit people, right? Or <laughs> that's win yes. number one. Maybe yes. not every church has a green room, but even just the back room or being on your phone in the lobby or, yep. or only hanging out yep. with the team that you have, I think is a huge thing. You mentioned American Idol. And what's funny is how many people on these shows say, I grew up singing in church mm -hmm. or I grew up playing in church. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really 
most people's first starting point to actually getting up on a stage and mm. it's not a performance but no. playing in front of people it, it's usually people's first opportunity so right. we yeah. talk about that it's maybe it's someone's first time on the team they've they're they're nervous they're frustrated yep. or th that they're maybe not as good as they thought they'd be or they're they're really trying to get their parts down like uh -huh. how does that look to somebody who maybe it's their first time yep i love the worship onboarding process. I have grown in the last year and a half to love it so much. And I'm so thankful that God gives us creative ways and ideas to do it. Because at a mobile campus, I saw it as a challenge. I'm like, how am I going to do this? We don't have a space. We don't have a piano just sitting in my office. You know, it's so hard. But I'm just thankful for the grace of God. Um, so with that said, I, um, I have a youth student who began playing acoustic acoustic guitar a year and a half ago. And as a youth student, picking up an instrument can be a hard thing. You know, they want to play on the weekends, they want to serve, but they're learning a whole entire new thing that they've never done before. And so something that I did with him is I had him come to set up every single Sunday and sit in on our rehearsals. Every Sunday, he was sitting in the chairs, practicing, looking at a chord chart to every single song that we did. I mean, months went by, months went by, and he was so faithful to do that. Now he's playing on the weekend, which is awesome, and I'm so proud of him. And then I think about the vocalists who come in and want to serve. We use in-ears and tracks, and there's so much happening in our ears during a worship set. Um, every one of our campus has an MD. So we have someone talking to us That's along right. with a guide in the tracks, like telling us what part we're about to sing. And so it can be very intimidating for new vocalists. And so what I've enjoyed doing and I've seen as a success so far is I invite the people who have never experienced that before to come on an onboarding Sunday. That's what I call it. I have an avium set up for them. I have in-ears for them if they don't have any of them. And then during the rehearsal, they're just sitting there and they're practicing um, panning their ears. They're practicing, what do I want to hear? What is this actually going to sound like? Because I know if I just throw them in on the first Sunday, they're going to be so distracted. They're going to be so intimidating and it's going to take away from them worshiping. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be a distraction for people. And that is kind of a scary thing to do. So as long as I can get people comfortable and my intern, my intern, Grace, she's amazing. And I schedule her to be the onboarding host. So anytime someone new comes in, um, she's the one who's there during rehearsal, making sure they're okay, making sure they know how to use the avioms. And it's been a success. Well, it's that's so brilliant because I think a lot of times in the worship world, we're trying to fill a role. Yep. And... If you think of kids ministry and you're going to train a kids volunteer, there's a lot of onboarding involved. But yeah. once you get past the initial audition, I think people think, oh, you know how to play. You got it. Let's mm -hmm. get you on the stage. But yeah. what you're talking about is there's so many more factors so that are many. involved. And I think there's maybe people listening that go, okay, well, that'd be nice if I could have someone that could sit on the sidelines. I need someone today. The problem is with that thinking is you're going to put that person in, then they're going to fail, and then you're going to have to find someone new after they right. two months right. later mm -hmm. they're frustrated yep. Right. Yep. versus yep. taking it slower and saying, yeah, you, 
I just want you to be able, feel comfortable, not even just listening. Some people have never worn in ears. They've so true. they've only sung in their shower, yep. or they've only yes. like they didn't think that they were gonna have to wear these things. And then it's loud on stage, and then you have lights in your face, and you have people. Like those are all things that I think we're totally. used to as mm-hmm. worship leaders, yep. or even as as interns or volunteer staff who are listening totally. that are just used to being up on stage a lot. I know for me all the time, like I I'll you know do a prayer moment or I'll do offering. I, just this last week, I had someone text me, great speech. You know, yeah. <laughs> People don't, if they're not in the flow, they, they don't, don't know. Yeah. Right. And I will say part of the big, I think the biggest, the biggest filter for developing a person is, it, am I throwing them in over their head? Mm-hmm. So am I throwing them in over their head with these in-ears and this click? Am I throwing them in over their head with this set? So as we schedule teams, as we schedule songs, we take into account, is this a strong MD weekend? Is this a strong bass weekend? And we we schedule bands based on the strength of the players together. So I never want to put a brand new drummer with a band, brand new bass player and right. a brand new right. keys player. And I also don't want to give a brand new singer a whole song if I'm going to have mm-hmm. them lead a song, it's always a great filter of, am I throwing this person in over their head? Am yeah. I setting them up to succeed? I don't want them to get frustrated and I don't want them to flat out fail. And I think that's the thing we miss. We are, we're so quick to recruit and we just want to get it across the finish line. But there is a strength in filtering. Am I throwing them in over the head? If right. I'm not, then I can build a long lasting development experience if I am it's going to crash and burn mm-hmm. and I have had seasons where I didn't do that well and I crash and yeah. burn um but when I focus on is this throwing them in over their head it usually is more successful which is awesome one of the things you said Emily was you did that during rehearsal and during the times when things are actually happening what are maybe like a practical if it's like a, a one hack or just things that you've learned over the years being on the team as a rehearsal? What Like is there something that makes a great rehearsal? You mentioned having people all coming at the same time, being in unity, uh, some ideas, but are there any other things that, that maybe could just half the people listening know it, but the other half go, oh my goodness, that, that helped me a ton. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that comes to mind when you think of a rehearsal that when we made this shift or when we started doing this or when we stopped doing this, it really made a difference? Hmm. I think um, having an MD, a music director, is a big deal. And I understand that not every church has the privilege of having someone like that. But if you do, I would think as long as the worship leader and the MD are in great unity and communicate during the week. So we know the plan going into a Sunday rehearsal. I think that's a win. And if you don't have a music director, because some, there's some weeks I don't have one, um, as long as you make sure you know going into a Sunday, you are musically prepared and you can communicate to the entire team what the expectation is, I think that's a huge win. What is our expectation of a music director on a weekend? Like what are they typically doing in their responsibility? Yeah, so they usually are leading the band in the talkback mic, which is a microphone you can only hear in the in-ears. They're following the worship leader, but usually MDs are uh, responsible for setting up the Ableton set and then also leading the band. They partner with the worship leader to lead the rehearsal. 
knowing what chord does every song end on, what transition is this going to be like? Did we edit the tracks? Did we edit the flow of the song from what you were listening to on PCO? And I will say, I think Planning Center and Song Select and CCLI have made worship leaders like a teeny bit lazy. Like we yeah. don't have mm -hmm. to be as prepared. And something that we just started implementing, which I learned from one of our other campus worship leaders, is we send out a weekly email about every single song that we're doing in the set is it different than the mp3 you're listening to in planning center and how is it different and is there anything special in the service and why is it there and so it gives people a little bit more ownership of i'm coming prepared i've i've been told by the worship leader and the music director mm -hmm. here's something to note and it it sets you up to succeed. I think we can get a little bit lax because worship happens every six or seven days, six for Apple Valley. We have Saturdays. It just rolls around every six days. Yeah. And you forget that some people aren't there weekly with you. Your mind may feel really in the flow because it's happening point. all the time, mm -hmm. but your volunteers don't always feel so in the rhythm because it's less frequent for them. So getting information out in front of them is good for you to not be so reliant on other resources, but good for your team to come prepared. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. When you think about leading in youth versus the weekends, what has been the biggest difference for you with teams? And has it felt pretty similar or what has that felt like? Yeah, well, I mean, teenagers and students, they're amazing. Like, I just want to start with that. They're the best. We love them. Um, I do think sometimes it is can be difficult on Wednesdays because um, not everybody is either as prepared as you'd want them to be, or um, sometimes just the attention spans of listening and of staying in the moment, like, all right, everyone, we got to get through this. We got to get this done. Isn't as easy, but I, I've been learning to give kids more credit than, you know, maybe I have in the past, because I think sometimes it really um, just takes me as a leader, um, calling them up higher for them to really step into something that like, oh, I didn't know that I could lead in this way until, you know, Bella as my worship leader, like called me up in it, you know? And so I would say that's probably the biggest difference though, is just dealing with the, and navigating with the, the attention spans, the, um, just the moods or the attitudes. Um, mm -hmm. Adults generally are very, you know, very obliging and a lot more, um, just a lot better at being, um, just open to where what you have to say and in listening but i would say for sure both like there's pros and cons to both sides of it yeah i mean you get the youthful energy you mm -hmm. get in and totally. i think a, a trajectory of growth to where i mean i think of some of my friends and not all of them are, are still in minneapolis area but um austin he he's uh, our audio lead and mm -hmm. uh friend daniel who he now is t like a touring musician all throughout asia and we grew up in the church and like we were not that good i mean daniel was probably better than us but austin incredible guitar player and i was a yeah. bass player and we had this little band together and i just remember like looking back at where we started and now to look at how Austin's literally doing that for his job mm -hmm. and Daniel's doing that for his job. Like mm -hmm. it's awesome just to see. And so I would just encourage people who they maybe have a kid in their church who's a drummer, a kid in their church who's a bass player. It doesn't mean that's what they're going to do for their job professionally, but it also doesn't mean they won't. And I just think mm -hmm. we the, the amount of people that we've seen in our church that are using music to be a big part of their life is incredible and so encouraging pastors who are listening maybe they're not even a worship pastor and they're just a lead pastor or associate or executive and they're listening to this like this is people's gifts god mm -hmm. has gifted them in totally, this way yeah. and so we have to be intentional and on that note 
One of the biggest things that I've seen that can be a struggle is we talk about the need for recruiting, Mm -hmm. but there's usually somebody at every church that is the week in, week out. Mm -hmm. They're the keyboard player or they're the drummer, and that is their identity, and they take no time off, and they're, they, you're scheduling them every week, and they are always an accept because that is what they're there to do. But what that does is it puts a lock on that role. It totally does. Right. And you can't develop anyone, and then maybe they go to a different campus, maybe they're on vacation, maybe, and you're, you're in a frantic position. So mm-hmm. how have you managed some of those conversations with people who they're actually good at what they do, they're not bad, but their identity is in the role and it's it's creating a traffic jam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it's always about casting vision. I will say there are some hard people that are hard to move from those positions. I'm a worship pastor's kid as well, and from the South and from an older church, and it's really hard to remove longstanding people. But it's casting vision like, I need you to help me develop another person for this place. And Mm -hmm. what I'd love for you to do is meet with them. What I'd love for you to do is let them shadow you through an entire rehearsal on a Sunday. What I'd love for you to do is, I do this with some of my drummers. I would love for you to come while this person is playing drums and give them feedback during the whole rehearsal on Sunday morning before the service. And then I want you to sit in the services and touch base with them after. So it's allowing them to be a part of the process rather than saying, I'm going to remove your entire responsibility to make room for somebody else. It's it's saying, I'm going to give you a new responsibility that instead of just removing, I'm going to replace it with something that maybe you don't see as important now, but I'm not stripping you away of every bit of responsibility. Right. And that usually gets people in the flow a lot better. Yeah, that's such a good response. Mm-hmm. What about somebody that's been scheduled and they weren't, they didn't do a very good job, but and now they're going, Bella, Emily, wh- why am I not getting scheduled anymore? Yeah, well, I think I've had to have a couple conversations like that. And the best the best thing is just to be honest. And I think for sure sometimes people are going to take it, you know, in a way that may not feel so good. And that's okay too. But I think for sure at the end of the day, you know, just, just praying over them, praying with them, saying like we still want to find a way for you to be involved. Kind of like Ben said too, like sometimes if it's somebody who is good but you just want to develop other people – find a new way for them to be involved. And so I just think um, just kind of ripping the Band-Aid off and just saying, you know, having a clarifying conversation as soon as possible is the lo- the most loving way, at least that I've experienced. Yeah, the longer gap mm-hmm. there is, the worse it gets. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. And always resourcing them. It's like yeah. if they're not there yet, don't just say you're not there yet. Here are some things that you could do or things mm-hmm. that you could use to improve. You never just yeah. want to say to a person, you don't have what it takes. You always want to say, you're not there yet, but here are some things I know could help you. Here mm-hmm. are some resources I know mm-hmm. could help you because it softens the blow a little bit. Right. I did want to say one thing that we implemented this year as a worship team, as a worship department, which was amazing, was we took all of our interns and we did this thing called an intern sound check where we assigned all of them all campus-wide into bands and they played full worship sets for us, for some of our worship leaders and for some of our high-level musicians, some of the best musicians from our campus. And then after their worship set, they got live feedback um, from musicians and from worship leaders. It was awesome. It was really great. It was like a little bit funny because you're trying to navigate. We're worshiping, but we also know people are giving us feedback. But it was awesome. And I think the biggest win in that for me, in my opinion, was it was separate from the weekend. And I think a lot of the time, 
and it was separate from a weekend rehearsal. When you're having a rehearsal or a weekend, there's a task at hand and you're, you're pressed for time and you're focused on the end result, which is good. You should be. When you can have a whole nother thing dedicated to development, a whole nother experience, then you can really focus on development. Mm -hmm. As a worship leader, it's so hard to keep your mind on how can I help them grow and how can I be led by the Spirit? How can I make sure mm -hmm. this is moving forward? So giving yourself and your musicians a secondary option made for development mm -hmm. is was huge for us. I mean, it was huge for us. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I'm thinking too, like one day we're going to be out of our roles. We're not going right. to be doing this anymore. And I feel like it's an awesome responsibility as a worship leader to develop the people after us. I just feel like that is what makes a good worship leader. If mm -hmm. you can be intentional about developing even people on your team who are older than you or your peers or the next generation, that's going to be the biggest win, win and you're just setting up everyone for success. Mm -hmm. so it's true. awesome. It's a privilege. That's how I see it. It's, so true. it's awesome. Yeah. The more you lead with an open hand, the more space you make for more people, the more people will come the less space you make, the less people feel like they can be involved. The more I can share what I have, the more people feel like, oh, well, Ben is inclusive. Ben shares. I can tell there's lots of different types of people, different ages, different races, different backgrounds, different skill levels. Then I want to be involved. The, the more exclusive I am, the less people are inspired to want to speak up and say, hey, I can sing a little. It's kind of scary to say that to a worship leader. <laughs> But if you can be inclusive, it's less scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. In terms of your own experience at church, being a worship leader, and again, whether you're paid or volunteer, the same is true. You're, you're focused during the service, especially at the beginning of service, you're leading the worship set. Then at the, maybe the end of service, you're coming up at the end of the message. How have you made time for yourself to you're always on every weekend mm -hmm. to actually stay grounded and plugged in. I mean, you you could attend church uh, every week, but you're actually not really a part of the service. You're almost, I mean, you are a part of the service, but you're not experiencing the service. How have you guys managed that? And obviously for those who have, you know, bigger staffs like us, maybe it looks a little bit different. But even for that volunteer worship leader that's doing it every single week and that's their call and maybe they don't get paid for it, eventually you're not going to have any gas left in the tank. So how have you intentionally kept yourself having gas in the tank and is it taking weeks off? Is it What, what does that look like for you all? And, and you know, maybe you guys can talk about it at, at Apple Valley and then even you can share about it um, at Maple Grove. I think one thing that I did wrong a few years ago was every Sunday that I did have off, I would lead worship somewhere else, which was silly. I wasn't being intentional. Like about, another church? Or, yeah, yeah, or at an event. And I would use vacation to go, but I wasn't taking vacation. So actually using your time off or time off. Mm -hmm. um, I also think God graces you with the ability to do it. Um, but you have to worship God in your own time. Like mm -hmm. it, this mm -hmm. is not my time to worship God on a Sunday, although I am worshiping him. I get my alone time with God in the week. And one thing that really helps me, I listen through the entire set in order of what we're going to do on a Sunday by myself, at least a couple of times a week. And I get my heart on all the songs and I get my heart on God for me. And then the second time I get my heart on God for what do you want to say to your church? What do you want to do in the, in this set this weekend? So that's some practical things. I try to spend as much time as I can with God with just me and him. Mm -hmm. Um, 
worshiping him, worshiping him. I'm not talking about the word in prayer, although I do that as well. But as a worshiper, I want to worship God alone. Mm -hmm. And then also I got to take my time off and use it right. Yeah. I got to yep. use yep. my time off right. And resting is not sleeping. I used to do that wrong too. I'd be like, if I can just get like 10 hours of sleep tonight, I feel amazing. And it was never enough because right. resting is more than sleeping. Mm. Yeah. I think for me also like leaning more towards the introvert side, sometimes I can get drained very quickly from just being around a lot of people all day or, you know, being on a platform and leading worship. But I would say like Sunday is the smallest part of my faith, you know, cause there's you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so I want to make sure that I'm filling myself up as much. So on Sunday, when I know that's probably going to be the biggest day I'm pouring out, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm filled and continually, so continually being filled because how am I going to be able to give my best worship right. and, and lead people in the way that I need to lead people? Also, I mean, at least I know at Apple Valley, we try to hold a standard for our volunteers and as well as ourselves to um, sit in service as much as we can. Like, of course, I know we go up at the end. So sometimes we have to pop out or sit towards the back so we don't distract anybody. But, you know, just having that standard of like, when we are not on the platform, like we're among the congregation. We're not having a little huddle and, you know, powwow in our green room. Like we're sitting, listening, actively engaging. Yeah. And so it just really helps um, breed more unity among just what we do. Like it's just not the worship click. It's, mm -hmm. you know, we're the church. And so I just love having that um, expectation on Wednesdays as well. You know, after worship, the students just don't sit in the back like, no, you got to go out and listen to the message and be in the small groups. And so that's just something we've done. Yeah, I think from a wanting to be excellent and wanting to be polished, I think sometimes can be a detriment to where even like you mentioned, you know, maybe it's sitting in the back and kind of sneaking out and getting into the right positions. And in certain auditoriums, that makes sense. But also the other side, I think we think as we think in terms of production so much mm. to where we go, oh, well, that might be a distraction to people. But it also might be a good thing if you're sitting on the front row and, and he calls the band and you stand up and go. And right. again, not in That's a distracting so true, way, yeah. mm -hmm. but just, you know, you keep your head down, you go up to your spot. Mm -hmm. But people seeing, oh, they were they were in the that service. Was, that was the bass player that was sitting in front of me. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think in the name of, of excellence and the name of seamless transitions and all of this, let's not miss yep. that we're mm -hmm. a church. And yep. I, I've been a victim of this so many times. Mm -hmm. I, I've told this story before, but uh, my very first young adult event, I was just so frustrated that the baptismal tanks were up. And <laughs> I wanted there to be a room at the front for like, you know, excited worship and altar time and everything. And the baptism was just right in the way. And I was so frustrated. And I remember uh, Pastor Lindsay at, at the time, she's since retired, but she came up to me and she said, why are you so frustrated? I said, well, just, it was in the way. And I asked them not to put it up. Mm. She goes, it's Friday. We have baptisms tomorrow night. Do you want the tub to be freezing cold for the people who are saying I'm going from yeah. death to life? Or do you want it to be warm? Who cares? Legendary. We're a church. I a and I just remember her telling me that and kind of feeling like, okay, I'm stupid. I, I was like, well, what is my dad going to think? And yeah. he came out and he's like, oh, do we, are we doing baptisms tonight? I said, oh, tomorrow uh, they're just warming the tank. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And I just yeah. remember feeling so stupid about that. And so whatever it is, it's like, oh, well, that guitar doesn't look right. Or, mm -hmm. you know, the, the they, they don't dress right. It's like, again, they have to be appropriate. But right. Right. It, if we're trying to become something then we've missed the whole point of it all. Yes. So, I, so true. I just think it's it's a good reminder to us to oh, say, yeah. like, we're a church. And again, why we're having this conversation is because it's not, let's go out and find the best musicians and pay them to lead. It's, no, let's develop 
people to use their gifts in ministry. Um, And so, anyway, Emily, any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, at a mobile campus, there are zero breaks in the morning. I remember we started at Whirly Ball. We were there at 6 (laughs) a.m. Whirly Ball is like a (laughs) blend between bumper cars and like lacrosse. Lacrosse. (laughs) I don't know who thought of that. It was wild. And I'm so thankful. Oh my gosh. We're in a high school now and it's awesome. But back at Whirly Ball, we were setting up a stage. I mean, we had the platforms and then we had a road case filled with the legs. We were doing everything every Sunday morning. And then once we're done setting up, we immediately start rehearsal. I was thankful I had time to change on a Sunday morning, but I was just thinking like all the different hats that I have to put on before service begins. It's like, okay, I have to make sure I set up well and I have a good attitude while doing this. Now I have to make sure that the musicians are all in tune for rehearsal. The vocalists are singing the right things. And now it's time for service. Now I have to make sure like, Holy Spirit, I hear from you. I Mm. truly am your vessel so that you can speak to your people today. And at first it was hard. I'm like, how do I do this? And I just echo what Bella and Ben has said. It is how you prepare during the week. Mm -hmm. God, 100%, if he's calling you to do something, there is a unique grace on your life to do it and to do it well. And I, um, I do the same thing as Ben. I listen through the set from top to bottom, but every single morning, actually, when I get ready, I'm just in my bathroom getting ready. I have a playlist. It's called, um, him and I, and it's just songs that we don't, we'll never do on the weekend probably, but it's just spontaneous Mm -hmm. stripped back worship songs. And I just use that time to like sing out in the spirit, sing what's on my heart. And that's just my time to prepare. Mm -hmm. And usually it's then the Lord will kind of like show me what might take place on Sunday, or he'll drop in some sort of, um, vision or word on my heart in that moment to prepare for a Sunday. And if you are loving the Lord and getting filled up during the week, Sunday is going to be awesome. And Mm -hmm. you're going to be excited to do it Mm -hmm. too. Emily, I never thought about it as like hats and layers. Like you have servant, you have leader, you have shepherd, like you're setting up, you're preparing, then you're leading the rehearsal, then you're shepherding the room and thinking about what does it take for me the days before this service to prepare myself to be a servant, to be a leader, to be a shepherd? Mm-hmm. That is a beautiful thought of the layers of that. Yeah. That is like yeah. amazing. I was going to say this one thing too. We can take a lot of pressure for ourselves by realizing like 90% of the room doesn't even hear it the way yeah. we hear it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I'm developing new people and somebody's like, that person was amazing. And I was, and I'm thinking they're really green, yeah. but yeah. they thought they were amazing or they'll comment on how well they worshiped. Totally. Not how well it sounded. Totally. So we can also relieve ourselves of the pressure of ninety percent of the room isn't even hearing it with the same ears we yeah. are. Oh so. yeah. My my brother in law, he was at Christmas Eve at Apple Valley and he goes, That drummer is awesome. He wasn't talking about how good of a drummer it was. He was talking about just the way he worshipped. It was Jake. And, oh yeah, Jake gives and, it his all. Yeah. And it's, it's he was amazing. just like, That is awesome to see. And so I think to your point. Yeah, 90% people have no idea. And they're saying great speech or great song or whatever it is. And most people are terrified to even get up on the stage. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone that has the confidence right. to stand in front of people on a stage, 
most people in, in the congregation are just overwhelmed by that idea. Yeah. And yeah. so they'll come up to you, even if you go, oh, I totally missed that part, or I, my voice cracked or whatever. I could never do what you do. Yeah, you know? exactly. And it's in a, not a boastful way, but it's just a reminder that that's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Um, as we wrap this up, I, I thought of a fun question. What is your favorite song that when you see you're leading it on the schedule? Well, obviously, you're, you guys are probably scheduling oh, yourselves. Yeah. But like, if you see it, you go, that's one that I love to lead. Like, I'm I'm super excited. I'm not going to do the negative because we might have friends from those churches that <laughs> yeah, are listening no, no, no. to this podcast. And I'm, that's I never not schedule what, myself to sing the ones I don't like. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> but like, if, true. If, you, if you're scheduling yourself and you kind of are going through the list of songs, you go, okay, I'm going to lead that one. Or you're leading at a conference or an event that someone else scheduled for you. And you're like, yes, I love leading this song. What song is that? Oh gosh, this is so hard. I I need a little time to think. This is a hard question. I mean, (laughs) Jesus, we love you. We don't do that as much, but that's like my favorite song in the whole wide world to sing forever, five ever. And then um, I would say goodness of God. I mean, I lost my voice for a season and the Lord gave it back Mm -hmm. to me and I'm just so thankful. I will say I love to hear Bella sing Holy Forever. So Mm -hmm. if if that's on the set, I'm giving it to Bella because she rips it. Thank you for that. Um, I do love Holy Forever, but I would say one right now, we haven't done it a little bit because we did it a lot, but I do love leading I Speak Jesus by Charity Gale. I think it's just such a declarative song and, you know, it just gets the room going because it's so true. Like the one specific line that always gets me where I'm like, oh, I got to hold it in so I don't cry um, is the uh, Jesus for my family. Mm -hmm. I speak the holy name of Jesus. And so... I just think that's such a powerful line, and so that whole song is whenever just so that different. whenever that song starts, you hear all the Christian radio moms just, oh yes, yep. this is my song. <laughs> yep. You know, they're just pumped. I, you let it. I don't know, maybe it was a month ago, but I you let it. And I just remembered he like even the room was rustling when you started it. You oh, could just yeah. tell they were this is bum, 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 and everybody's like, yeah, yeah. iconic. <laughs> intro. Yeah. I think one of my all-time favorite songs to lead is Living Hope. Mm. Oh, and yeah. you rip it, too. I That's love song. that song. You yeah. rip that I love one leading too. it. Yeah. That's it. Well, for me, uh, my favorite song <laughs> yeah, to lead. Yeah, please, please tell us, You used to play slogan. bass for me back in the day. I did. Them. I did. I played bass. <laughs> I, I mean, for all of our campuses at one point. Now, now I haven't played in a while. I gotta schedule you. Yeah. Now I know he has done maple <laughs> grill. Make yeah, sure he comes to an onboarding need, Sunday. Make sure he gets it. It's been a while. I haven't used the avioms in a bit. But onboarding Sunday for yeah. Logan. No, I still. I'm a basement bass player now. Yeah, uh, it's just, yes. just in my me and my basement. Um, but thank you for uh, chatting through this. I know it's been helpful for a lot of people that are listening, whether they're worship leader or not, or they're interested in that, or maybe they're a volunteer wanting to learn more about how they can uh, get better or a lead pastor saying, I don't really know the tensions of this, but I'm trying to understand my worship team better. Uh, I'm just grateful that you guys spent the time and poured into people through the network and through Talking Church. So until next time, keep ripping it and leading us. It's amazing that we get to do what we do. And if you are local and you are a musician and you want to try out for our worship team, uh, you can uh, reach out to us. We'd love to have you. You totally can. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us.